Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyen. And on this week's episode of the Balance Parent Podcast, we are going to talk about organization and why it is so hard for us as parents to not only be organized for ourselves, but also keep our kids organized and what we can do about it. Uh, so I'm bringing in uh, a new guest. We haven't had her on the show before, but we were connecting before I hit record and I'm really delighted and so excited. Her name is Star Hansen and she has a new book out called Why the F Am I Still Not Organized? And I think she's really going to help us get clear on, on how to not only help ourselves, but help our kids learn how to manage their stuff and their time without shame, blame, and guilt that has made this topic kind of heavy for folks in the past. So Star Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, like who oh, you are and what you do? Thank you so much, Laura. It's so great to be here with you today. So yes, my name is Star Hansen. I'm a certified professional organizer and clutter whisperer, and I am here to help people understand why the why the F their clutter won't go away. And <laughs> that's a really important conversation because I think, you know, we look at the world of organizing and it's boxes and labels and books about getting organized and bins. And the organizing industry is a $2 billion a year industry and growing. Now, if those boxes and bins were going to get you organized, that industry would be shrinking, not growing. So mm -hmm. we have to look at the fact that there's something going on beyond the need for paring down or creating, you know, strategies for how to store your stuff. And that's what I do. I help you figure out why your clutter won't go away, no matter what you've tried, because my experience is that you are an incredible person who does a lot and you know so much. And why should clutter mean that there's a defect in you? It actually means that you have genius, untapped genius. And my job is to help you bring that to the light. Okay. Tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? Because I have lots of clutter. I have gone through, you know, the Marie Kondo, I've sparked joy and gotten rid of lots of stuff. And then it just creeps back in. What is yes, up with that? <laughs> totally. So it's, it, it's common wisdom that it's, you know, I should be able to do this. It's so easy. Just follow A, B, and C. And yes, but the problem is that if you don't understand the cause of your clutter, the root cause of your clutter, no system is going to work. And if you understand the root cause of your clutter, any system will work, whatever system you choose. And my job is to help you figure out how is clutter helping you? And that at first sound can sound uh, like shocking, yeah. 
if you're not watching her eyes just bulged out of her head when I said that. <laughs> and so yours might be also, but it's in my experience and I've been organizing for 20 plus years. If you have recurring clutter, there is something that it is doing to help you. It's why it's staying. If we look at what clutter is, clutter is really us having a conversation with ourselves non-verbally. It's us having a conversation with our loved ones non-verbally. It's us processing. And if we can start to really kind of dig in and figure out how it's helping us, what we can do is we can get that need met without the clutter. And then the clutter isn't needed anymore. And it falls away so much more easily. Okay. So sorry, can you give me an example? What, like, what are some of the ways that clutter serves folks that you work with? Absolutely. So there's a few ways. So one is communicate. I, I did a TEDx talk a couple of years ago about this couple whose kitchen was cluttered. And at the end of this big kitchen overhaul, we came across this broken teacup and that broken teacup was the crux of their clutter. And it had been left out for over a year because the two of them were blaming each other for the teacup Mm. being broken. It was a significant cup for them. And, you know, that's just one of the many ways we use clutter to communicate. You might use clutter to remind yourself of things. Like, for example, you might leave your weights out in the living room or your yoga mat, Mm. and maybe you haven't used it, but it's your reminder for yourself, or I don't want to forget to be this person. We also use it to create, like some people surround themselves with stuff because they feel inspired and creative Mm. And even empowered because some people grew up in poverty and, you know, had a lot of scarcity in their lives. And then when they become an adult, and if we just look at the trajectory of consumerism in the last 20 years, you can be in poverty and still have have a lot of clutter. So it's, you know, things are cheaper than ever, easier to source. Mm -hmm. And so now we have, you know, a lot of stuff and people can surround themselves with stuff and that can make them feel safe and secure and If you understand that you're using clutter to create a feeling of safety and we can discover how to create that safety or security without the stuff that's helpful for some people, clutter is their friend. If you grew up in a military household and you traveled the world and people were not consistent, your stuff was probably your one constant. Mm -hmm. And you've learned that that's becomes your, your friend, your cuddle buddy. For some people, they use it to protect themselves. They'll use it to set boundaries, keep people away, keep people out of their homes, create space within people, you know, within their household. I've even seen people use it as a way to deflect or, you know, act as an actual wall. I have one mother that I work with, and if there's ever anything she doesn't want her kids to get into, there is a giant pile of clutter in front of it because that acts as a deterrent for her kids to find the things that she's trying to hide. Mm. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to see how people use clutter. And, And this is just a couple of examples. I could, we could spend 12 hours talking about that today. It's just super fascinating. Yeah, that is fascinating. You know, it's interesting. So I've always attributed some of my clutter stuff to my ADHD, which has gone undiagnosed my entire life. And I kind of really am just figuring it out right now. I got diagnosed last um, winter. I've always been really good at creating systems to keep myself organized in other areas of my home. So like my kids' playroom, super organized. Every single toy has a home. It goes in the home. The kids know how to put it all away. Same with the kitchen, same with all these kind of public areas. But in my domain, if you could see right now, the other sides of, (laughs) I mean, I have a beautiful background, but if you could see, I have piles of 
you know, so like I do water watercolor painting and other art as a form of relaxation. I have just piles of art next to my me because I do. I take five minutes here and there to do a little bit of painting or a little bit of coloring, or I have just stacks of books like yours, you know, to to read because they give me inspiration. And I really like that reframe that those things are not necessarily clutter. They're expressing a need of mine to be creative or to be inspired. Thank you for that reframe. Oh, of course. And also I'd even venture to say it's also you inserting yourself in your life as a mother. Most moms I know you think about yourself last the absolute last. And so you kind of have to like get in where you fit in, right? It's like, okay, I have no time. Where do I find, where do I place myself in this world? And oftentimes if you look at your kids stuff, it's so curated and your family stuff is so curated because you require that to function. And of course you put your family first and so strongly, and we put ourselves last. Oh, you're making me tear up. <laughs> you know, I've, I love to do art and I don't get to do it very often, mostly because it's tucked away in my office and I feel like I can't be, leave it out in my spaces because those spaces are for other people, not necessarily yeah. for me. And I think about too, you know, so I have play is hugely important as a value for my family. And so our a large portion of our house is dedicated to to their play spaces. And I think about when they're done playing, what I'll get to do with those spaces instead of being yeah. tucked into corners. Yeah. But I think that you're really speaking to something that that idea that there's the, one of the reasons why it's hard to keep my office organized is because I'm trying to fit a whole life into one little place instead of yes. being seen and present in my whole house. Yeah. And what happens a lot of times for moms is, you know, when your kids were younger, your kids are now at an age where they can manage themselves a little bit more. You're not worried about, you know, them drawing on the walls with crayons at the moment, you know, or ripping up your, maybe, well, maybe. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> totally. But it's, you know, there was a very long time where your body was theirs where the home was totally devoted to them and it was about their safety. And then it was about their exploration. And oftentimes we're moving so fast that we don't take the time to recalibrate and say, okay, can I reinvent how I show up in the house? Because it's not just that you are shoved into one room. You are also teaching them to shove themselves into a room. You're teaching them because role modeling is the first thing that happens, like whether we mean it to or not. So they see you and they're like, oh, when I'm a mom, I take care of everyone else and I put myself in a corner. And what if you got one of those rolling carts from Target or Michaels and, or Ikea, and you filled that with, with art supplies and you just rolled it around the house, wherever you wanted to work. And you started showing up because it's exactly what you said. It's like, we're waiting for some future day to start to live our life. And the best thing you can do is start to live your life today and not wait for the kids to launch. And cause you know, that's a challenge in this day and age, but, but you know, like, why do you have to wait to embody yourself, Mm -hmm. to embody your life? And you teach them to take up space. And I think as women in our society, that's something that's really difficult. We've been conditioned to turn within, to be really small, to be of service, Mm -hmm. to serve and not take up space. And yet the power, your power lies in you, like fully standing in your power and your kids fully standing in their power and your partner standing in their power. And Like imagine the four of you like beacons in your home, like just the magic of that. And Mm -hmm. 
I just want to like throw in there also congratulations on your diagnosis because most people view that as like, oh, I got diagnosed. And but but the truth is it's a relief for a lot of people. Oh, who it's are a diagnosed. huge relief. Right? It's <laughs> oh like my God, oh, yes. okay. I'm not behind my brain is a superpower. Like your brain with ADHD is a superpower. You are genius in unexpected ways. But most people that I know who had late, late diagnoses have spent the bulk of their life thinking that they're behind. Why can't I perform like everyone else? Why am I not keeping the house the way that someone else does? Because your brain is a supercomputer. Most of the organizing systems that are out there are not built for how your beautiful brain works. They're actually too small. They're too little. And with the ADHD brain, your brain has the ability to do such complexity. And if your systems don't have the right level of complexity for how you think, the systems are not going to work. And so again, it's this lesson of like embodiment and expansion, like how much room can you take up? Because you deserve to take up room and your brain requires more space than just a simple does this go into, you know, keep or toss, keep or toss. It's yeah. you have so many more layers. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. Okay. So one of the things that I've been noticing in my family, and this is, I mean, one of the benefits of getting to have your own podcast where you have experts come on, you get to ask them questions for your ask own family. My, I've, you know, I've seen echoes of this exact thing happening in my kids' rooms where they, they have their special hobbies and interests. And sometimes they like bleed out into the house, but oftentimes they do their special stuff that they're kind of their safety, their self-care in their rooms for one kid that's reading and the other kid that's drawing or playing with these little figurines that she has her with dolls. And so for one kid, it's a stuffy explosion in her room more than we can ever hope to store, you know, all these little like doll things that don't have a home. And the other one, it's just piles and piles of books with a completely empty bookshelf. <laughs> like the books come <laughs> off, they get read and put in a pile and not back on the bookshelf. So what can I do as a mom to help my kids? Because I don't want to be, I don't want to be in there, in their space that they have ownership, bugging them, nagging them. I periodically go in if they ask me to and help them get reorganized. But the systems that I put in place make sense for me. And I think that they don't maintain them because those systems don't make sense for them. You know, I've managed, you know, when I'm doing their playroom, I, I sit down with them or they're playing usually, and I'm doing it, but I ask them, if you're going to go play with this, where would you go and look for it? You know? And then I put the things there where they say, um, you know, but I don't know how to do that in their rooms and their tolerance for doing it in their rooms is really low because it's their private space. And they feel like I'm like getting in there and controlling things and they don't want me to do that. So what can I do? (laughs) Sorry, well, that first was a long of all, you're question. Do- no, you're doing a great job. I mean, the questions that you're asking, how would you use this? That's a great question. Like, how would you use this? Where would you link to look for this? It's so often people are focused in organizing about putting things away, not the retrieval. And your system should be based on retrieval, not necessarily okay. making it pretty. See, I didn't even know I was doing that, but that's what my ADHD has made me do. Super genius, <laughs> yes, like yeah. super genius. Well, one of the things, oh, let me lead with the don'ts. So like, don't tell your kids to clean their room in some blanket statement if they've never learned how to clean their room, right? That's, it's so stressful for kids. And it's, and I'm not saying that you're doing this, but I think just in general, I have so many memories from my childhood of being told to like clean my room. 
but I don't have any memories of being taught how to clean my room. So when it comes to kids, we really have to do two things. One, we have to impart that wisdom on them, which is how to do it. Most of us were never taught how to organize or clean, and we just expect them to do it because they've watched us and role modeling is big, but so that's a big part of it. The second part of it is we have to meet them where they are. So every kid is different. I've had kids, I've had siblings where one of them needs three categories for the items in their room. One of them needs 13 categories for the items in their room. And we want to meet them where they are. And I think it's tricky because we want to remove ourselves from the, the desire for the outcome to be the star of the show. The outcome is not the star of the show. Their room being cleaned is not important when they are under your roof as a, you know, as your child, they are learning how to do the world. They are learning the skills that they need to launch. And so what we need to do is we need to be able to show up for them and with them and say, let's create a bedroom that feels great for you. We're not cleaning up your room. We're not organizing your room. Mm -hmm. Does this feel great to you? Do you like, so the one, you know, your daughter who has the book stacked all over, what if she loves that? And then what if instead of trying to use that bookshelf, you get rid of the bookshelf and instead you do intricate, creative, fun stacks around her room and it gives her that feeling of being, I mean, and maybe there's stacks that are on shelves on the wall from everywhere from like knee height all the way to the top of her head. And she's surrounded with interesting configurations of books. What oh, if that so is fascinating to think about, you know, yeah. so we were in Vienna for spring break last year and we went into this bookshop that was this old tiny bookshop with just like tunnels of books. And yes. she was in heaven. You know, she was just, I mean, she thought it was the most amazing, like it was the only place that she really wanted me to take pictures of her in it. <laughs> well, and it's so interesting because when books are on the shelves, they feel like they're demonstrative. I'm here. Look at me. Don't touch me. When books are stacked, it's like, Ooh, you're mine. Like it's an any... invitation. Yes. Yeah. Like it feels oh, so engaging. Mm -hmm. You could have all different styles. You could have reading you know, trays set up those cute little like nooks that they have now where you can like lean mm -hmm. a book over it, but you can just set up the whole room where the whole theme would be. I mean, get rid of the bookshelves and switch the style and see what she thinks. And what will, what's interesting is she'll probably think you're redecorating her room. And what you're doing is, is allowing her more access to the things that she loves the mm -hmm. most and teaching her. So like, obviously what we're, what she's going to be learning in that scenario is the floor has to be able to be cleaned. So we need to not have books stacked on the floor because I can't clean when there's stuff there. It makes, because that's a long life lesson. We need to be able to clean the space and we need to be able to walk through our spaces without injury. We need, if there's an earthquake or something and someone's in a rush that we're not going to trip and <laughs> break something. <Yes. laughs> so we want like safety to be there, but we also want their imagination and their creativity to be present and to say, yes, like something about her system is working. And what you're mm -hmm. saying is yes. And yes. And let's take it to the next level. Let's play. And then what we also have to do is this is not a one and done. Like right now she's obsessed with books and in six months or five years, she might be obsessed with something else. And if her room still looks the same, as it does today, it's going to feel like an incongruency. And so maybe once a year, when you all have a little time in the summer or in the winter, mm -hmm. then you reimagine like, okay, great. Let's see. How do you want to evolve your room? And then it doesn't feel like, oh, I have to clean and I'm in trouble and I'm doing it wrong, mm -hmm. but it feels like let's evolve the room to evolve with you. Does this still feel good? What do you want different? How does this go? And then you can also, you know, open up 
the kids to seeing the different layers. So you get a lot of kids in their teens and twenties who instantly want to purge everything. I don't need that anymore. I don't want it anymore. No, thank you. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And then you talk to them at 26, 27. I regret getting rid of that stuff Mm -hmm. because they didn't know that they could create a memory box for Mm -hmm. items. It doesn't have to be out. They can be in a memory box that they take with them when they move into their own place. But we want to start like teaching them the different layers of engagement with their stuff. What's decoration, what's memorabilia, what's active, functional stuff, what is for the future someday stuff, what gets rid of, you know, it's like, we, this is like a wonderful experience to learn with them. Hmm, I love that. My, my mom gave my sister and I each a a hope chest when we were, when we turned, I think 12 is when we got got it for just that purpose to start kind of putting away some things from childhood. And, you know, we both took it with us when we bought our first homes. Finally took longer than I think my mom was expecting it to take. (laughs) It always does. You know, it always does. (laughs) But I really like that idea. I like that idea of, you know, kind of asking the child, how do you want to feel in this space? What purpose do you want the space to serve? What do you like to do in here? And kind of really understanding how they're using the space. Okay. So what about the kiddos with the tons of stuffies all over the place? Cause I know lots of our listeners have stuffy explosions in their room too. Yes, (laughs) I know. And there's a real attraction or a connection to the stuffies. Like I all have a name and stories. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And they know where they belong and what they do. Mm -hmm. So I have clients who are in their sixties who won't get rid of their stuffies. And not only that, but they need their stuffies if they go in a plastic bin to be facing out because they don't want their stuffies to to be shoved in a box. They want them to feel like they're an active, engaged part of the world. So it's, it's very normal to anthropomorphize objects in our lives. This is, we all have done it and many of us still do it. I definitely (laughs) do it. And when it comes to the stuffies, so I feel like it's, it's the exact same thing. Tell me about your stuffies. Like, tell me about, do you want them all in your bed or who gets a space in your bed? Do you want the rest of them like on a really high shelf along the perimeter of the room looking out for you? Do you want to hide Mm. stuffies in different places so that they're infusing the room with their stuffy energy? Like (laughs) again, like it's like, how do we approach it as a play is a play game. And one of the things that as parents, it's sometimes very hard to do because we're so busy and there's so much going on is we really have to take the time. We have to invest our time in playing with them and exploring with them. The idea of clean your room, if I could eliminate anything from the, the conversation, the yeah. yeah, it would be like, just eliminate the statement, go clean your room because that it so does nothing. And at a certain point, they will be able to go clean their room. But most of the time we have not given them that foundation. No. And even if, I mean, just, I also really dislike that phrase because it's super unspecific. I mean, it's so important to give kids really crystal clear expectations and cleaning your room is a complicated endeavor. You know, there's lots of steps that go in it. Lots of people have different ideas about what clean your room means. So yes, I I always am for parents (laughs) being more specific on what our expectations actually are and then setting the kids up for success so that they actually know how to do those things. Are, yeah, and, is, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was, I was just, just gonna say, yeah, I know tracking the routines, like the difference between the one-off cleanups, right? Like you vacuuming once a week is different than every every morning making their bed or every night reass- yeah. reassigning where their stuffies go, like, like baselining the room. So it's, yeah, you're right. It's like exactly like how do we give them the small bite-sized 
tasks that they can accomplish and feel good about accomplishing. Okay. So what are the steps of clean for a kid of cleaning their room? Like what is, how do you clean your room when you're a kid? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) so the first thing and the most important thing is they have to have a baseline. And what I mean by baseline is a state where everything is in a home. So if you have never, if you, in most of us, when we move, we just land and we're like, good enough. And (laughs) We just like barely unpack our boxes and we're like, it landed, but you want to really make sure that there has been an initial organizing that's happened, that every object has a home. And Mm -hmm. I'm just going to name, I am talking about a very idealistic world right now, my beautiful listeners, because I understand that's not always the case. And many times we haven't had that, but imagine there's no foundation for your kids to build a house on. Every time you say clean your room, you're asking them to construct a house. But if there is no proper foundation, it's very hard for them to do it. I think about when I go into someone's house and I want to help them unload their dishwasher, but I have no idea where their bowls go. I end up acting like a Roomba, like this way, uh, this way, like, you know, (laughs) so we, we want to offer them like the stability of like, okay, great. This is, everything has a home and there's a clear idea of where we're going. And even I just want to like, can I interject too? Please. Even if that home is something that does not look perfect for Instagram, right? So like home for your child's clean clothes could be a laundry basket that they just stay in and pull clean clothes out of. Like it could be that, you know, so there's lots of possibilities of what home looks like. The other, yeah. And like, I just want to say the other thing I'd like to just like remove from our vocabulary is like the, or the concept of this world is like the idea that like, a Pinterest completed Instagram completed version is what it's supposed to be like. That's absolutely yeah. not no. what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. <laughs> you're so, like, we need to, yeah, you're not it's like, like we need functional. Yeah. I'm always very leery. You'll never see anywhere on my website or IG or anything uh, before and after picture. My after picture is you living your best life, spending time with your family. That's uh, like, I don't care what your house looks like. I care that it's not hurting you, but it's more about mm. like, how do you set it up so that it's functional for you? Not so it's pretty for someone who is never going to step inside your house. That's our values are just a little skewed at the moment with this external yeah. demonstration, like of style, like this demonstrative world we're in, but yeah, like setting it up. So it's like, okay, great. And knowing again, the systems, just like you so beautifully explained earlier, it's how are you going to find things when you need them? And is it easy to put them away? Not how do you put it away in a beautiful way? But so you want first and foremost to have everything has a home. Mm-hmm. And then secondarily, it's like, okay, when I think of it, if you tell me go clean your room, I'm picturing I'm dusting, cleaning the windows with you know glass cleaner, vacuuming, but a kid, you're talking tidying. You're basically saying, put everything yeah. that's out and where it doesn't belong away where it belongs. You're not probably asking them to dust into their windows and baseboards. Right. right. So like, <laughs> and kind of explaining that, and maybe there's even a, a reframe there of like, okay, let's go tidy our room. And I call this a lot of times with clients baselining. I want to take things back down to zero. I want everything to go back to where it goes. Like take every, like, let's put everything in its home so that they that's know. That's what I say. Yeah, yeah. I want you to go to your room and make sure everything's in its home. <laughs> totally. And that makes perfect sense. Make your bed, make sure everything's on its home, clear up your desk, put things back in your backpack, prep for the week ahead, lay out an outfit for school, like whatever it is. Yes. The more specific we can be, mm-hmm. the better. And really taking the time to reward the effort, not the outcome. If, you know, depending on the age, like a lot of times we don't let our kids clean. 
or tidy up because they're not going to quote unquote do enough compared mm-hmm. to what we would want to do. Yeah. Reward them for being a part of the family and doing it. Like have yeah. it be that, okay, everyone for the next 20 minutes, everyone's going to tidy their room. And then the whole family goes, not just the kids, but the whole family goes. And then maybe you do show and tell, Ooh, wow. Look at mom. You did this. Okay, great. What I really love about your room being done is this. And you know, it's like, you really (laughs) can start to play with and see what they've done well. And then they feel like they're part of a community and they're being rewarded for doing it, not for doing it perfectly or doing it just right. Because everyone's version of done looks so different and we need to start normalizing, embracing whatever that is for each individual. Yeah. I love that. I really like the idea that, you know, a family is a community and we all have pitch in, we all have, you know, important jobs to, and contributions to make. I really like that a lot. Well, and you know, it's funny, like, so I don't know about you, but no one has paid me for making my bed as an adult, not a single time. So like there's <laughs> such danger in like, teaching kids that like they should do these activities that are just day-to-day hygiene because they'll get paid or a reward. I I so agree. Right. Like it's like no one's paying me for doing my dishes, although it probably wouldn't make me want to do my dishes anymore, but, (laughs) (laughs) but like just, and them knowing like some of my favorite times growing up or when we were cleaning the house as a family or doing dishes with all of my cousins, like and then they learn, like I learned that I do dishes better if I'm playing music and talking to someone that I love. Like yeah. that becomes like a cheat that I use to make me want to do the dishes when I don't want to do it. Yes. Oh, I, I love those things too. I think it's so important that we recognize that we're modeling how to be adults, right? And yeah. that if we can figure out how to make it fun and enjoyable and not grumble the entire time while we're like <laughs> putting yes. away their toys and stuff, then that would will make it easier for them to also have a positive attitude about the kind of sometimes not great things that come with being human. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and the idea of leaning into the good enough, you know, I know you talk a lot about perfect imperfection. Like that's a concept I love in my own life. It's what's your good enough version. Hey guys, we have 10 minutes, do the best good enough version you've got in you. And that will teach them. Not every time has to be Instagram. Yeah. I really like that. Okay. Start. This has been really a fun conversation and super helpful. I'm wondering if you can just make sure that all of our listeners can know how to find you, where to find you and connect with you and learn from you. Absolutely. So I'm everywhere. I'm I'm everywhere. Um, (laughs) You can find me on on all the major platforms at Star as Star Hansen. But if I also wanted to offer your listeners a gift, so a free download of my book, if they want to get a free copy of my book, it's available on Amazon and audible and all the normal places. But if they go to starhansen.com forward slash podcast, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N.com forward slash podcast, they can download a free copy of my book and learn all the, all the wonderful juicy details for how they can get out of that, you know, chaos cycle with their clutter. Oh, awesome. Sorry. Thank you so much. What a gift. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom. It was really fun talking with you. Thank you. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of 
um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.